Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are gathered here to worship you. We are thankful that we have the talented and gifted musicians that we have to worship you in song. We are thankful for the preachers and teachers that you have brought here to Villa's Grace to lead us in the proclamation of your word. And now that is what we do. We pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds for your message that you have for us from the book of James. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We've all heard the phrase, survival of the fittest. Most of us as Christians would say we are anti-Darwinian. We are not subscribing to what Darwin had to give us from his philosophy of evolution or his theory of evolution. But survival of the fittest was a popular term, actually. I want to define this for you. That refers to the process of natural selection a mechanism that, that drives evolutionary change. See, in the 1860s, Charles Darwin actually authored this theory, and that's all it is. It's not proven scientific fact. This is nothing more than a theory, a theory that Darwin came up with in the 1860s. However, he didn't coin the phrase survival of the fittest. Came up with the theory, but didn't coin the phrase. Now, the phrase was actually coined by Herbert Spencer. In fact, Spencer added to Darwin's theory, and this is what Spencer had to say. I'm going to read it for you. It is obviously on your screens, but Herbert Spencer said this, A society grows through economic and other acts of spontaneous cooperation by gregarious and social individuals who are themselves displaying what is called a social self-conscience. A social self-conscience. Wait, hold on. As in being woke? Oh, Oh, you thought that was new, didn't you? You thought being woke was something that is new. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, like, what does it mean to be woke? What are you talking about? I've never heard that expression before. See, brothers and sisters, wokeness is not... Wisdom from above, because let's go ahead and define how society would look at wokeness today. Wokeness is to be aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues. That's what society is calling social self-conscious today. See, in 1860, we called it that then, and today we just call it being woke. Like we just somehow came up with some new information that nobody had before us. Like we're something special and different. But we're not. And things definitely are not new. Social self-consciousness, actually, like we stated, not wisdom from above. No, it's not. Being woke is actually earthly wisdom. Wokeness only contributes to the moral decay of society. In Sunday school this morning, that was mentioned. So being woke doesn't do us any good other than actually destruction in that it is the 
destruction of society through society's moral decay. Wokeness is nothing new. Because even Darwin and Spencer toyed with the idea back in the 1860s, and the only reason why they were able to toy with this idea back in the 1860s is because it existed prior to. In fact, according to the Bible, it existed thousands of years prior to. This is nothing new that we're witnessing. Brothers and sisters, wokeness originated with Satan in his big fat lie that he told in the garden. There's only two types of wisdom. Two types, very simple, black and white. Wisdom from above and wisdom from this earth. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. True wisdom. True wisdom. Now, obviously, owls aren't wise. But the reason why you see an owl there is because we believe that owls are wise. A lot of times we throw an owl up as an illustration for someone who would maybe be wise. Or we think of owls as being wise. Whether or not owls are wise It doesn't matter because they probably aren't any more wise than any other species, but that's what we do. But then, again, let's face it, what does this world do? This world lies to us anyway, so we might as well just stick with the theme and have a little fun with it this morning, especially when we're in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. We're going to be finishing up this chapter this morning, so you can join us in your Bible if you choose, but if not, do not worry because every single verse will be on the screen for you this morning. But before we begin this morning, we can't forget that last week we were encouraged in Taming the Tongue. That was actually the title of our sermon, Taming the Tongue. We recognize that a tongue tamed is a life changed because the only way we can tame our tongues is by coming to a saving faith in Jesus. And this is because a tongue tamed repents more and is judged less. You're not going to be judged if you're constantly repenting How could the Lord judge you eventually one day if you're repenting from what it is, that sin that you have left behind? After all, our tongues can be used for destruction or they can also be used, more importantly, for the Lord's construction. So that's black and white as well. Either we're going to allow our tongues to be used to destruct others or we're going to allow our tongues to be used to build up others And that is as simple as it gets. Today, however, James describes these two types of wisdom. The wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that's earthly. So before we say any more, let's go ahead and get into our text this morning. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. 
as we look at these verses this morning, we want to put them into one sentence for our main idea to easily describe what we see here in the text this morning. And that sentence states this. Wisdom is either false and vile or righteous and true. Wisdom is either false and vile or righteous and true. There is no in-between. This is black and white. It is either or. Last Sunday, as we begin here in verse 13, we, we must remember that we discussed taming the tongue, as we've already mentioned. But even though the tongue is actually caged in by teeth, because think about that, the Lord has somewhat of a sense of humor, doesn't He? This small little tongue that is as powerful as it is, He's caged it in by teeth. It, it still has an ability to escape its cage. Therefore, when this happens, what does it do? We talked about this last Sunday. It exposes our hearts. That's what the tongue does. See, what that tells us is this. Intelligence doesn't tame the tongue. That's not what tames the tongue. What tames the tongue is wisdom. And that's what we're driving home this morning. So James starts off by asking this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, we understand it's those who demonstrate meekness and wisdom. Now, let's define meekness just for a moment here. The quality of not being overly impressed with one's sense of importance. That's how we can define meekness. Now, meekness does not indicate weakness, and we need to get that straight. Just because you're meek doesn't mean you're weak. Brothers and sisters, meekness indicates that you put Jesus before yourself. That's as simple as it gets. If you're meek, then you have placed Jesus before yourself. Wisdom, however, is a little different from meekness because wisdom defined as the capacity to understand and function. Now, there are two types of wisdom, as we've already stated, but first we observe earthly wisdom here in verses 14, 15, and 16. Again, Herbert Spencer's social self-conscious. This wisdom that he describes, his observation is nothing more than what began in the garden. That is earthly wisdom. This wisdom originated with the father of all lies. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I want to read these verses to you. I want to reread this account that I know we've all read prior at some point in our lives. But just listen to this earthly wisdom. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Eve wanted to be wise. That was her goal. So what did Satan do? Eve wanted to be wise, so Satan sold her earthly wisdom. Oh, 
only we could just blame Eve. You know? If only we could just blame Eve. You know, blame her for all that bitter jealousy that, that we have. You know, blame her for our selfish ambition. Blame her for the world's disorder and every vile practice. Did you not notice where we're, we're going here? We're going right down the list that we see in verses 14, 15, and 16. If only we could just blame Eve for all of this. However, if we did blame Eve, if we had the ability to blame Eve, it would be in violation of our ability to be meek. Yeah, that's right. It would be in violation of meekness. Herbert Spencer's social self-conscience, a.k.a. being woke, is simply an observation of what we see right here in the text where it says, disorder in every vile practice. This is the moral decay of society that we see today. If you look at society today and say, I see a lot of moral decay, then you know exactly where it came from. We didn't just, you know, cross this Rubicon at some point. So brothers and sisters, please do not be naive and think that. Don't think that we just, you know, we're, we're good. And let's just use our country for an example really quick. Let's not just be mistaken and be so naive to think that, like, you know, things were just the way they should be all the way until about 1960 or so. And then we saw the, the wheels fall off. That's not how it works. We're arrogant to think that. Now, I've stated this before, and I'm going to have to state it again because I've heard it brought up multiple times since, but listen, please, when you hear me say this, jot this note down if you write a note, because I've had to say this multiple times. Nations are not Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian nation. They don't exist. If they existed, then we would pick up Genesis to Revelation and see where God saves nations and saves countries. He doesn't. You know who God saves? He saves people. He saves individuals. The gate is narrow because it's a personal, individual relationship with the Lord. That's what saves you. And too many of us think that all of a sudden the wheels came off the wagon and now we're no longer a Christian nation. Well, there's a newsflash. We never were a Christian nation. Neither could we nor ever be a Christian nation because of what we saw Eve do in the garden. Jesus is our king. If we have faith in him, we are children of God. We belong to his family. He is using us to build his kingdom. Let's not make the mistake of trying to build our own. That would be wasted time. That would be a wasted effort. And all of Solomon's wisdom, because we know that Solomon, we know Solomon had some wisdom. What did he Say in Ecclesiastes 1.9, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 1.9 really quick for you. Solomon said this, and mind you, this pertains to everything that was just said. He said, what has been is what will be, 
And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. This is why we've allowed and even promoted disorder in every vile practice. And when I say allowed, and when I say promoted, because I know those of you who would be on the side of always thinking that this was a Christian nation, I know that there are things going on that convict you deeply because of your convictions. So I would never want you to not stand upon anything but what you're convicted by, especially as those morals come from the Holy Spirit. So everything that I would say now from this point going forward has to do with the fact that there are people who are in charge that do not have the Holy Spirit living within their hearts. And that's the reason why we see dissolved marriages. That's the reason why we are redefining marriage. You know, now it's man-man, woman-man, not necessarily woman-man or man-man or woman-woman, whatever it is that they want to do. That's why we're, we're seeing this. We're seeing the murder of, of God's children after conception. We have a sexual disorder going on in this country that, that we know well. We know our culture well. Sexual orientation disorder. We have a whole generation coming up that is either confused about their sexual orientation or they're, they're learning to accept one's confusion and then make concessions for them. The vile practice of litigating each other in the court of law. We are a litigious society. We love to sue one another. The vile practice of constant confrontation, which social self-consciousness, a.k.a. wokeness, now calls being a Karen. Sorry, Karen. When, when, when Hope gets her hair cut short, which she just did, our, our children tell her that she has a Karen haircut. We make a joke about this stuff. Then we videotape it, and then we throw it on the internet and put a title in there of some sort to let somebody know somebody's being a Karen, and then we can just sit down and be entertained by the moral decay of our society. Brothers and sisters, jealousy, selfish ambition, as it states here, disorder, and every vile practice are limited to a society that's limited to time and space. When a society finds itself participating in such things, that society is incarcerated by both time and space. For us as believers, meekness is forever. Meekness is forever because meekness is the eternal strength found only in the Lord. Meekness is the opposite of weakness. And this brings us to our first point this morning. True wisdom chooses Jesus over societal acceptance. True wisdom chooses Jesus over societal acceptance. 
It is perfectly okay for you to not be okay with what you see happening in society today. Perfectly all right. But never focus on that and put that emphasis before your faith in Jesus. Never put that before your relationship in Jesus. Your disgust in that should come out of your relationship in Christ. That is our job as believers. Our job is to share our faith so others can come to a relationship in Christ and see him before they see any of that and only understand what it is that they see now that that moral decay that we discussed only because they were in a relationship with Jesus and they have the Holy Spirit who has alerted them to this truth. One cool thing I got to share this week with somebody who's not a believer. I got to share the verse that I read in the Bible the first time after the Holy Spirit had come into my heart. Romans 12, 1. This is the NIV translation, not a translation that we use here. But it stated, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. First thing I read, I thought, oh my goodness, this world's a pattern. Second thing after that, Romans 12, 2 says, renew your mind, transform your mind in Christ Jesus. That's exactly the message we get to take to others. And we're going to see some things. As we move forward, we're going to see some things. Things are rapidly changing, but never forget what Solomon said. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, let's not forget our main idea this morning that stated, wisdom is either false and vile or righteous and true. Our job as believers is to know the difference. We have an obligation to understand this difference. And if we don't understand this difference, then we won't be effective in sharing our faith with others. As we move on to verses 17 and 18 here, we understand that the second type of wisdom is mentioned, and that type of wisdom is the wisdom that is from above. So for a moment, let's just revisit Genesis 3 that I read earlier, the account in the garden with Satan and Eve. Again, this is verses just 4 and 5 I want to look at really quick. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, earthly wisdom only knows good and evil. That's its limitation. Earthly wisdom knows nothing more than this is good, this is evil. That's it. That's the extent of earthly wisdom. Whereas wisdom from above can recognize the difference between good and evil. See, earthly wisdom only knows that it exists. Wisdom from above allows you to be able to discern why it actually does exist. We get this from 1 Kings 3.9 where it says this, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? See, who said that? Mm, the same person who told us that there's nothing new underneath the sun. This is Solomon. He's asking for discernment. He wants to be able to discern between good and evil. He wants to be able to govern the people with wisdom from above. He's not seeking earthly wisdom. Now, we may be under governors currently that govern from earthly wisdom, so be it. 
Their governorship from earthly wisdom will never affect our eternal state. Earthly wisdom is only for those bound by time and space. Earthly wisdom knows that good and evil exist while wisdom from above understands why it exists. And we know this because God is pleased, as it says, when we seek wisdom from above. So let's go back to 1 Kings 3, verses 10 and 11. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God is pleased when we seek the wisdom from above. And then verse 11 says, And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, what's pure pleases the Lord. Purity pleases the Lord. He was examining Solomon's heart. He saw that he had a heart for all things eternal. He saw that he had a heart that wanted to put away everything that was temporal. Because after all, what do most people ask for? Right here. We know most people ask for this because the Lord himself is telling us so. He says, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches. Because that's what most people would ask for. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how often and how frequently we go into a convenience store, a gas station, and people are just playing the lottery. Or they gossip. They didn't tame their tongues about their enemies. See, what, is it, what else does it say? A long life of riches or a life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Because sometimes understanding what is actually right is for us to find out that we were wrong. And that's something we can't forget either. Sometimes the wisdom from above will expose us. But if we're in a relationship with the Lord, we welcome that because we know that we grow from such interaction with the Holy Spirit. As believers, we should make every effort to lay aside every single vice. All of us have a vice or two. All of us. And don't think that you don't. We should make every effort to continue to repent from these vices in our lives. Now, it says, what's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. See, this is actually what pleases the Lord. The Lord's not concerned with how successful you've been here on this earth from the world's perspective. That's earthly wisdom. He's concerned with how successful you've been from the wisdom from above. And that has everything to do with Peace, being gentle, being open to reason, being full of mercy, because after all, we show mercy to others, the same mercy that the Lord has shown us. He wants to see good fruits produced from us. So as believers, these are the attitudes that we should have at all times towards others. What's impartial and what's, in, what's sincere, as it says here in the text, this is actually what pleases the Lord. Just like it pleased the Lord to have Solomon ask him for wisdom from above rather than ask for earthly wisdom. As believers, quite simply, this should just be our nature. So as Joe comes up and joins me this, this morning and we close out, brothers and sisters, I would just like, like you to ask a, a question of yourself. This is, this is for all of us to ask. 
And we can ask this question in prayer throughout this week especially. But ask yourself, do I feel like, am I, Lord, lacking the wisdom from above? Am I lacking the wisdom from above? Do I feel like I operate my life like it's from the wisdom from above? See, let's be encouraged, though, with what James said at the beginning when we started the book of James in chapter 1. Let's not forget what he said in verse 5. He said, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God will grant you true wisdom and its effects upon your life, which as it says here in verse 18, is a harvest of righteousness. Brothers and sisters, continue in the cycle of righteous fruit in your life if you haven't already. Know that one righteous act harvested from the field of true wisdom can be the seed to grow another. Ultimately, we need to preach this gospel to ourselves each and every day. Those who seek true wisdom experience the same peace that they make. Because after all, wisdom from above desires harmonious relationships with others. And the last time I checked, we live in a world that seeks peace in all the wrong places by all the wrong ways. And this brings us to our second and final point. True wisdom chooses the eternal peace of Jesus. True wisdom in all aspects of life chooses the eternal peace of Jesus. Again, our first point this morning stated that true wisdom chooses Jesus over societal acceptance. And finally, our main idea stated this this morning. This is black and white, one, two, as easy as it gets, either or. Wisdom is either false and vile or righteous and true. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can continue to learn more about you, to be in relationship with you for the purpose of sharing the gospel. I pray for this church to grow in you, to see others come to a saving faith in you so we can continue to put away what is temporal, what is limited, and focus on what is eternal, which was only made possible by the work of Jesus, our only hope. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.